All right. Well, good evening. This is Tuning Through the Static, a weekly entertainment movie and TV podcast. My name is Lance. And I'm Tyler. And this is just kind of a free form podcast where we're going to talk about some news and what we watched and give our thoughts. So I pulled a few of the articles here that I found throughout the week. So the first one is this Last of Us HBO series. And they actually got a director um, attached now too, which is the Chernobyl people. Did you ever watch that show? I did. And it was actually one of my favorite like mini docu-series that I've seen probably like in the last like five plus years. Like it, I thought it was incredibly well done. I was like on the edge of my seat, just blown away the entire time. That one and... Um, Waco, those are like my two favorite of the past like decade. Yeah, I agree. Like Chernobyl was so amazing how they did it and like told the story of just like how fucked up that story actually was and yeah, negligence part of it that just kept stacking and fucking stacking. And like I found that show did like a really good job of like not sure coding it and showing like just how bad that situation was like it wasn't like yeah it wasn't of, like oops i made a mistake it was like you you fucked up royally yeah we're like some doc documentaries or docuseries like sometimes they'll take a side sometimes they won't and i felt like that one did just like an amazing job of like here is the dark truth about this and just how fucking bad it was yeah they weren't there to pander to anybody that's for sure no and that's why I kind of like that they're kind of attached to this last of us project because I had mixed feelings when it first got announced. I was like a last of us TV show. I don't think anyone needs that because I think the games way of telling the story doesn't need anything further. Like I wasn't like, Oh yeah, that's a no brainer. It was just kind of like why, but then when they kind of started talking like, okay, we got the people from Chernobyl that kind of can do these like darker, kind of serious stories on like these environments i was kind of like okay like you've got the right people involved you've got the hbo money behind it so that's a pretty good start in my mind yeah i'm i'm genuinely excited for it i i was also a little skeptical when i first heard that they were turning the last of us into a tv series i'm i'm excited and i'm terrified at the same time like and I, I don't own a PlayStation, so like, is The Last of Us Part Two out yet? Uh, it's out next weekend. Um, okay, so it's it's not out yet. No, and uh, like, because same with you. Like, like when they announced it, I was like, oh, like you could kind of like I don't want it to like sully the Last of Us story by making this like thing that maybe isn't going to translate well. But yeah, that's time, definitely. But at the same time, like. Um, kind of in the press coverage up to the last of us two game, like Neil Drunkman, uh, the game producer, like talked about like his genuine, like kind of in like excitement and like how much he loves like the last of us story and kind of how we, I, I want to say at one point they were talking about the show and kind of how he like straight up said, like, we're not going to change the story at all. If anything, it's just going to give us like, some opportunities to maybe give some backstory to some characters or like maybe you didn't have time to do that in the game for like tone wise or whatever. 
So mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, okay, like it seems like everyone's got all the right intentions. It's not like the creator of the game just like gave it to HBO and said, have at her. Like he's actually involved in the whole process, like writing it, developing it, like start to finish. So that kind of gives me hope. Well, and I'm, I'm also hopeful, but I mean, <laughs> there's a long, long list of film adaptations of video games that are just an absolute dumpster fire. Yeah. So like, that's up. where I start. That's where I start to have my reservations where I'm concerned. Cause like everything is, there were some, shit. yeah, I mean, like, I on, honestly, at the top of your head, can you think of a single video game that was adapted into a film that you thought was well done? Yeah, and it's going to surprise you, and I'm going to tell you right off the bat that it's the best video game movie ever, and it's Rampage with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Seriously? Yeah, it's what they did with that is they said, hey, here's this Rampage thing. We're just going to make a dumbass Dwayne The Rock Johnson fucking 2000 summer tentpole action movie in the vein of like a natural disaster movie. And I went in, got some popcorn, turned off my brain, watched some big animals fight some shit and had an amazing time. And I was like, they knew what they knew what they had to do. They didn't take it seriously. They loosely based it off of the rampage video game and just threw Dwayne, the rock Johnson in there as the human guy and away they went. And it was great. I'll be honest with you. I've played the rampage games. I've never seen the rampage movie. So I can't I can't comment either way, but I mean I'm maybe now I'll have to check it out if it really wasn't that bad. For a brief second there, I thought you were gonna say Doom. No, God no. I mean if so here is my like really like shameful answer that I'll always go back to is the first Mortal Kombat movie is got a special place in my heart. It's so terrible and it's so bad, but like 14 year old me fell in love with that movie and watching it like a couple of years ago like it's still terrible it's still dog shit but i still love it for some reason and really i'm the opposite like it i mean it's def it's also has a special place in my heart but i didn't think it was bad as far as a movie based on a video game goes, i actually really enjoyed mortal kombat annihilation not so much yeah yeah i but, think that's kind of universally um but yeah like but the the original one I liked and I honestly, did you ever watch those um, shorts they had on YouTube where the guy was trying to get Mortal Kombat like made into like a, a mini series and he like filmed it all himself? No, but it, it uh, maybe, but that reminds me of uh, fuck. Someone did a Power Rangers short on YouTube that went like kind of hard, like almost R rated that like also like when I first saw that, I was like, yeah, like get the fuck out of here. Like, and then I watched it and I was like, oh, damn, like, yeah, that like could totally work. I never saw that one, but I'll look that one up. You should definitely look up the Mortal Kombat. I think there was like four or five episodes and they were like, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes long. And it was just kind of like introducing the characters. But it was it was incredibly well shot. And just the execution was like flawless. Like I, I got excited. It was like akin to how I felt when I saw the test footage leak for Deadpool when they were trying to figure out if they were actually going to do deadpool right the like air quotes wave around leaked test footage footage that probably wasn't leaked yeah they just put it out to get the temperature of the room (laughs) yeah quote unquote leaked test footage yeah yeah but yeah no like i had that same feeling like probably like 
probably not as much as like how you were describing it but like when i watched like this power ranger short like uh who did they have in it um james vanderbeek and katie sackoff uh whoever was doing the short got them to do it um and i think the same it was like maybe like 19 or 15 minutes long or something like that and like same thing like i watched it and i was like that's like not terrible like for like uh kind of video game or well like, not a video game um because the video games came after the show came out but like for like a uh kind of like an ip that you think like oh yeah like there's no way you could maybe scale this to like a an older audience or whatever like it totally seemed like it would work how that would translate into like a full-fledged movie who knows right like it's it's a lot easier to make an awesome 15 minute thing than to make like a hour 45 thing right yeah for sure so i so yeah i'm i'm scared and excited because like like i said i can't think of any other i mean silent hill was okay yeah and i don't really That's remember like yeah it's i'd have to go back and rewatch, but like and like i'll I, be honest i would say it was okay yeah and i'll be honest i i don't I think if you look back, the first Resident Evil movie isn't that terrible. I think it's what they did with it after the fact is probably terrible. But I think if you looked at the first one, you might go, oh, that's not that's not like really good in any stretch of the term. But like, it's not bad, you know, which for a video game movie is better than most. Yeah, that's fair. Because I mean, I can't really... Yeah, like I'm just I'm just scrolling through a list right now of movies that are based on on games. Like I I've never seen Alone of the Dark, Alone in the Dark or House of the Dead, which was not that great. Blood Rain wasn't that great. Street Fighter, that wasn't very good either. Although I will say I really enjoyed the um Street Fighter anime series. I never checked that out. It was it was really really good. Like I'm not a big anime guy, but that was definitely worth a watch. Yeah, no, neither mind. I see I'd, like, um, I've heard the same thing about the Castlevania series on Netflix. Like, I'm not an anime person, and like, neither is like some of my friends. But one of my friends watched it and was like, "Yeah, this is like surprisingly like pretty good." And like, they're kind of the same. We're like straight up not into anime. Like, I'm very much like, I'm I'm not into the anime bullshit. Like crazy storylines and the weirdness that it gets into Mm -hmm. and neither was he but he was like yeah it like surprisingly is like pretty decent and i was like "Hmm." yeah like there's some other max Payne. that wasn't a very good adaptation and i like i like marky mark yeah me too um but i think the i think the problem with that movie is the how they decided to tell the Max Payne story and like completely kind of like getting away from the core of what uh, the Max Payne stories were. Um, And they decided to do this fucking supernatural, weird hallucinogen drug thing, which is not what uh, that's not what, and that's not what the good story bits of those games are. Like the, the good story of that is this internal struggle of Max Payne, dealing with you know he had his family killed by gangsters and him kind of doing that and like they barely touched on it and then just kind of fed into this kind of quote-unquote like here's a flashy summer movie yeah 
they yeah definitely tried to make it a blockbuster when it didn't need to be how did you looking at this list of movies though how did you feel about assassin's creed i had mixed feelings about it like i'm i'm a big fastbender fan i think he's he's one of the better kind of new new generation actors um and like i thought he was all right but like at the end of the day i kind of walked out going like eh, eh. yeah i i went in with mig like without big expectations same and and maybe that's and like not that it was an amazing movie by any stretch but i i enjoyed it and i thought it was pretty decent and maybe that's because i went in with no or low expectations but like it's sitting at an 18 percent on rotten tomatoes <laughs> And I feel like it deserves more than that. Yeah, you know what? I would I would say it probably deserves more like that. If it was sitting at the like thirty five to forty percent, I'd be like, okay, that's about right. Um, but that that does seem a little low because yeah, like I I also went in with like zero expectations and like kind of came out going like that was, eh, like it wasn't terrible, but like it wasn't good. Like I just kind of walked out going like that was a movie. I watched that. I I didn't hate my time. Yeah, that's... and that was kind of the end of it. Like, like it's it it yeah, it was just something that like I didn't think about after. <laughs> like, I was just like, oh, that was a movie. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't good. So, yeah, that's fair. I didn't care for Need for Speed, and I'm I'm a big Aaron Paul fan, so that one was kind of yeah, it was a bit of a bummer. Yeah, but I mean, that's also how the fuck do you make a Need for Speed movie? Like, really? Like, if you're going to pick a yeah, video game property, maybe don't pick Need for Speed, especially in the era of the king of car movies being Fast and the Furious and launching it right when that franchise was just getting its steam again and, like, really in the thick of it. They decided to do a Need for Speed movie, whether to maybe capitalize on that kind of, That's... like, everyone liking it, but, like, it wasn't near the caliber of a Fast and the Furious movie, so... That was definitely what it was. Like, you know, for sure that that's what they were. They're like, oh, Fast and Furious is popular again. Let's, yeah. what can we do here? And yeah, Fast and the Furious is making billions of dollars. They just got The Rock involved. And yeah, let's do this. Let's get Aaron Paul. He just finished Breaking Bad. He's awesome. And then, yeah. And then it just ended up being not, not good. Yeah. You want to know what the number one ranked um, video game turned movie adaptation with a 73% on Rotten Tomatoes is. Ooh. How old is it? Take a guess. How old is it? Can you give me that? Came out last year. Oh. Oh, I think... Oh, shit. I remember reading something about it, but I am drawing a blank on it, but I know as soon as you're going to say it, because it's something that I, I want to say you don't think is an actual video game. Yeah, that's exactly it. I don't consider this a video game at all, but it's Angry Birds movie number two. Yeah. Okay. That totally makes sense. And like, I remember reading and yeah, now that you say that is, yeah, I guess if you're going to make a video game movie, make it off of a mobile game that makes billions of dollars. That is just cute animals getting thrown at shit. You're yeah. going to get, you're going to hit the kids audience all day long and it'll do gangbusters because it's all CGI. Yeah, uh, th that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> Yeah, I'm uh, the one that I actually didn't think of until seeing this list, which I actually and maybe I'm alone in thinking this. I thought it was a very good movie and I quite enjoyed it. And I'm a little bummed to see that it's only sitting at a 51 percent and it's not sitting at number four. And that was like the new rebooted uh, Tomb Raider 
with Alicia Vikander. Oh yeah. See, I I didn't like that movie at all. No, I thought, I, I actually quite enjoyed it. I think she I, did a she did a good job. I think she did too, but I think like I think like the first like the first act of that movie I was on board with. I was like, okay, they're like kind of going in the vein of like I you know, a reboot kind of get getting like maybe a little bit more of the gritty Laura Croft story. And I thought they did that well in the first act, but then I thought like the second and third just kind of turned into a generic kind of action adventure movie that didn't end up being all that good. Yeah, that's fair. Which is like, it's a bummer because like, and maybe it was my expectations, a part of it, because I think when I watched some of the trailers and like seen some of the press, they were like, hey, we're kind of going to like kind of go the vein of the video games and make this like not necessarily here's this chick that goes into tombs and fights things like the old video games and, and the the terrible, but I, somehow I still love them old Tomb Raider movies. Um well, I mean, they're classics at this point, I would think. Yeah. And they're just like they're like uh the they're like a shitty's 90 action movie where it's just like, it's, it's terrible, but like, it's also a great time to just sit back and watch. Um, yeah. Those, I enjoyed those. I'm not going to lie. I no, won't pretend I, otherwise. No, I'm not. I'm not going to bullshit my way around that. Like I, I've watched them more times than I've cared to admit. So, but yeah, I think it was maybe my expectations for like the rebooted Tomb Raider where I thought they were going to take it in a different direction and then they didn't end up doing that. So that was, probably more so on me but at the same time i also don't think the second and third act of that movie is very good i think the first act is good but i think after that it just went downhill well that's fair different strokes for different folks exactly well yeah i I can't wait i mean it'll be interesting to see how the last of us turns out i really hope they don't fucking botch it like i mean i hope with with johan at the helm there that they actually follow through and yeah. Don't pull a pull a Game of Thrones move where it starts off really strong and then the way it ends makes me regret watching that series at all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Game of Thrones season 8 is rough. Um, but I think giving this one the benefit of the doubt, like it seems like it's got all the right things to be great. You know, it's got the, Yeah, but it's but it's yeah, of course, uh, it could always just be well, terrible. For- for me, I think it's going to come down to how they do the format, right? Because like, like if you look at the Game of Thrones example, right? They had the books to pull the material from, right? Up until a certain point. And then instead of waiting for George to finish the books, they just kind of like went off in their own direction. So like if they take The Last of Us and let's say they, I don't know, maybe they do 10 one-hour episodes and they do two seasons to cover the first game. And then another two seasons to cover the second game and end it at that point, then I feel like it it would be good. I think it would be worth watching. But where I get concerned is if they go, oh, this is a popular show and people are really digging it. Well, we've covered all the content for the first two games. So let's just start creating our own content. Let's envision what would happen if it carries on. And unless they bring in the actual writers from are, the Last of Us series they to are. carry on. I th- well, I not to carry on, but like, I think with having like the uh, game producer and like the creator of The Last of Us in there and having a lot of creative control, 
I think it won't have that issue because at the same time, HBO also isn't afraid to just let things run their course and like have a couple of awesome seasons and then just call her good. Um, like I, th- I think H if, if the people who are making it are like, Hey, this is the story we want to tell, whether that's here's two seasons. That's first season. This first game, second season is the second game. Or like you said, like a two and two. Yeah. Like I'd like to think that they would, kill it when they want to kill it um yeah hopefully because I'll, I'll never get over game of thrones and how what they did to me i'm to this day i'm still so mad yeah and it's like like i even like there there's there's parts of season eight that that i actually think are pretty good um very few and far between um but i think what what fucked that last season wasn't hbo saying you need to make more no, um, it was those guys. It was, it was the people making it. Star Wars, yeah. Didn't want to do it, and like H. That's why I said like HBO really isn't shy about like saying like, okay, you this is successful. So if you want to carry it on, you can. Um, but you, but if you have your your plan and you want to end it now, like it's it, like do you do your story, um, and I think it, it it ended up being like the creators were kind of at their end of that project and just kind of didn't care anymore. Yeah, I I I definitely got the feeling towards the end that the showrunners just didn't give a fuck. Yeah, and I feel like if if they had announced this Last of Us thing and they said that Neil Drunkman wasn't really a part of it or was just kind of like consulting on it, I would have a lot more worry, but like seeing him in some of the articles like for the press of The Last of Us 2, like he's very much said like I because people were asking him like oh well why didn't you do like a last of us and like you're up on like uh like with different characters because some people because when you look at it the first last of us game didn't need a sequel but they left it um in a place where you could bring a sequel into it but you could also just leave it there and it's still this beautiful story um which i think is the smart way to do it because then you have someone like neil drunkman saying okay now i've got an idea for a second one and it's not this forced thing. It's okay. We left it in a place that we could, if we had the the idea that was good. But if we don't have that idea, we don't have to do it. Um, yeah, and definitely respect to them for having to go that way. Because yeah, like, nothing's worse than like a like a TV show where like you know you get to the end of the season and it's a cliffhanger, and then the the, the show doesn't get renewed, and then you're left going like, well, what the fuck happened now? Yeah, and exactly. I'm, I'm speaking directly to you, Kevin Bacon, and the following. Yeah, um, yeah, um, but I think with him, like, he's not afraid to like end it because, um, in one of the articles I was reading, and I I could be wrong in a few of the details, but someone asked him like, so like, what are you gonna do next? Like, are you gonna do like uh, another game in in the Last of Us universe, like with new characters? And he like straight up told them he's like. If, if that's the idea I would have, I would just do an, a new IP because at that point it's a, it's a whole, it's not the last of us. The last of us is a story about those characters in his mind. So if people were like, we'll make a last of us in Russia or whatever with two different characters, like in his mind, that's not the last of us. So just make something new with that idea. So I think with him involved in the show, he wouldn't be afraid. Like, I don't think he would like extend it into like, okay, here's the, these new stories in the last of us that you've never seen before. Yeah, that's fair. So, but who knows? I mean, we'll know whenever it comes out. I mean, it, I think it's still probably a year or two away. 
Um, yeah, I think I saw somewhere that they're hoping for a 2021 late, like Q3, Q4 of 2021. Yeah, like I think right now they're basically in the early stages of drafting everything, and I'm guessing they're probably in the early stages of casting, um, which I think that's also going to be a super important part of that show is who you cast as Joel and Ellie. I think if you fuck that up, um, that's a hard one to roll back. Yeah, for sure. Like, I think you're going to need a solid Joel and Ellie to, to make that to work. Like, you're going to need some some acting chops because especially just how well uh, the voice actors did it in the game and how well written their stories were. Um, like, to cast the right person to kind of continue to have that present like or that same presence or close to it that the game had if that makes any sense i think no for sure you got to get that right or you're just gonna or it's you're... definitely it's definitely gonna take some top tier acting to be able to play those characters like i don't think you can just pick up an unknown with no experience no like I, I think you need someone the... with some good range that because yeah. especially when you look at the character of Joel, like he's he's got a super complicated story arc, and like super like like when you think of that game or playing as that character, like most people relate to him because he's this good guy that's protecting this child. But when you actually dig into that character, like he's a total piece of shit for most of his life of that yeah. apocalypse. Like he's a terrible person that like killed innocent people and robbed them. Like he yeah. has a super dark past, and you know like. And it's kind of about his redemption. Yeah, exactly. And him kind of getting back and like finally moving on from like his daughter's original death and like embracing the de facto new daughter um, mm -hmm. and that relationship. And that's that's what makes that story so beautiful. You know, so you got to get someone that can play the range of that, you know, which. I mean, it's HBO, they're going to attract top talent, um, but it's just a matter of finding that person. Well, while we're on the topic of video game turned films, are there any games that you think would make a good film that aren't in the works or hasn't been done yet? Um, like not going back and redoing Tomb Raider or, or getting Doom done properly. Yeah. Like any games I, that you've played that you think would be. I think you could do. I think there's a, there's a lot of stuff um, like I th especially if you do. Right. But I think. I would say uh, the Mass Effects games, you could probably make like a fairly compelling space opera kind of thing, like in that universe, because it's super fleshed out. Mm -hmm. That one. Um, I'm trying to think of what else would be like a no brainer. I mean, you could maybe say, I was going to maybe say like Grand Theft Auto or something, but. I don't know how well that would translate. I don't think it would either. And it's such a massive game with like so many core missions, but not even just that, all the side missions and then switching from characters. Like, I don't think you'd bet like you, if you were to try and do that, it would have to be a TV series and it would be a long, long TV series. Which speaking on that front, like uh, one that just like knocks it totally out of the park is the fucking Witcher on Netflix. That first season is amazing. I love that. I'm excited to shit. Oh, it's it, if you like the Witcher stuff and you like Henry Cavill, and I fucking love Henry Cavill. Um, 
he does an awesome job in that show. And I think I, if you like Witcher stuff and you like Cavill, it's a no-brainer to watch it. I've heard like nothing but great things, but it's just... I'm, I'll, I'll admit this right now. I have like all three Witcher games. And I bought yeah. like the Witcher Wild Hunt Game of the Year edition or whatever. Yeah, and you haven't played it. Still, have, still haven't played it. So, so here's the thing: you don't need to play any of them. Like it doesn't pull out of any of the games. It pulls off of the short stories. That the that no, I, I I gathered yeah. that, but yeah. like I like I the little bit of the Witcher I played, I did enjoy. But like I'm not. Oh, like yeah, like as, a in, major as invested. Fan, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Sure. Like and, yeah. and maybe I will at some point. But at right, this yeah. at this moment, I'm not as in invested right like even if the stories are completely separate and diverge from each other like the people who really love the witcher are the people who love the witcher game even though the stories are different they like the character right like yeah they're absolutely character, right and i'm just unfortunately not there yet but you I know what i would don't oh, go ahead uh what i will say is it's is it's also just like a pretty good like um kind of show especially after um the complete dog shit trash fire that season eight of game of thrones was it's it's like mm. a pretty good like kind of fantasy like sword like kind of that realm um like i think it's, mm -hmm. it's just good that way so i mean if you're kind of looking for something like that like and it came out like six months after <laughs> the ending of game of thrones so people were just like yeah this is amazing this is way better than that mind you there a lot of things are probably better than that last season of game of thrones well i mean it is on my list and like my brother watch them with my yeah. mom yeah and like my mom doesn't play video games like she had never heard of any of these characters before but she is yeah. right into it and she's yeah. excited for another season so i mean i think there's something to be said about a show that can be based off of video game characters that can get you know like fuck my mom's almost she's almost 60 yeah she just turned 60 right and like she got into it and she's invested in it right so i mean i think that says a lot about how well they uh they executed that that change yeah. of medium yeah and at the end of the day like if you're telling good stories and you know they're well acted and they're well written and you got the right showrunner for a tv show then you're going to attract people right like at the end of the day that's all it is is stories you know so write them good and act them good mm -hmm. and you know it sounds super easy in theory um, but it's super hard to fucking do um but if you can get some of that right you know then it almost doesn't matter what what the original ip is um, or what it's based on because people are going to watch it right yeah see the one that i would like see would like to see transformed into a television series like even a short series and i honestly i'm not even too sure how well it would translate but i just thought it was such a beautiful game was life is strange did you ever I, play that one i've played like i played like the third the first three episodes and i figured you would say that because i want to say we talked about that game at some point but yeah um that game made me feel some things that I didn't expect it to. And I was like, yeah, and which I, is bizarre. I, I go ahead. I can't think of any other game that I've played. Like maybe there are some moments in the last of us where I got punched in the feels. Yeah. But like one, maybe two moments and they were, they were fleeting. Yeah. But that, that game was like playing that game was a, it was an emotional roller coaster for lack of a better term. Yeah. Like it made me like I was right invested. I was into it. I, everything she felt, I felt like. Yep. I've never had a game do that to me before. Yeah, and like I played. I want to say I played through the first three episodes, and then something maybe else came out. Um, I ended up 
dropping it and i actually just recently installed it and i've been meaning to go back and play through it because i know it's a sh- it, like it's a shorter thing that you could probably kill in a weekend um oh for sure but yeah like like the the episodes i did play like i was like oh man this is like a really good story my only fear with that would be um like a lot of what makes those games i guess special is like that narrative choice that you get to make yeah um so so then you've kind of got if you're developing that then you've kind of got a but they could totally do that in the same likeness of um like black mirror's bandersnatch oh yeah actually now that you say that like why like why could like if netflix or someone picked it up because i I mean obviously you couldn't do it on like normal cable you would need an interactive medium like netflix or hulu or amazon but they could do it in the same vein as Black Mirror's Bandersnatch, and you would still get those narrative choices. Yeah, I didn't even think about it that way. But can you imagine how amazing that would be? And yeah. to see it like not not graphically, but have like live actors yeah, in like a real totally scene, right? Alucard yes. Bander. Yeah. I totally didn't even think of that that way, but yeah, that that actually now that that's a thing out there and they've done a few of those on Netflix, yeah. And yeah, it would if be Bandersnatch absolutely amazing. Was popular enough that I think they could probably get away with another one. Like I, I, I don't think it that thing did bad. I like I think it did fairly well for them. So yeah, I think it did too. But I, it would be nice to see because like Bandersnatch was a was a narr- like and you have your narrative choices, but it was a film still, right? Like it was just yeah. a movie. Yeah. Like, can you imagine if they did a narrative story where this like where they break it up where each episode like of the game I'm talking like episodes one through four, there's four episodes, right? That's through six. There, there's six episodes. So if you did, I don't know, like each episode as a TV series. So like episode one would be like season one would be episode one. And you did it like that where yeah, you do 10 episodes, like TV episodes per game episode. Yeah. And then, like, every time you do a new episode, like, your choices are linked to, like, how yeah. you chose on the previous one. So there's that flow to it still. Yeah, I could I could see that actually not working. And that's, yeah, I could see that if you get the right people in there. Especially bringing up kind of the, yeah, the Black Mirror one. Yeah, I, I yeah, I didn't even. I would be, yeah, I would, I, I would be down to try that and see what that looked like. This would this would be one of those like Futurama meme shut up and take my money moments for me. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I could I could totally see that, especially like with you being super hot on that game. Like, yeah, I could totally Yeah. I think it would be cool, but anyway. <laughs> well, here's a thing that is also not so cool that happened in the news. Canada, or so us being in Canada, Cineplex is our main theater. Um, so in the states, it's like AMC or whatever it is. And a few months before the pandemic, they were going to get bought by a European theater company. Now the nifty part, yeah. So the cool thing that had me excited about that is the European one has like their a la carte in-house like pay us 15 bucks a month and watch however many movies you want oh um, yeah and they were going to bring that 
um, into the cineplexes and like start to get some like brand synergies and stuff. And I was kind of excited for like a not shady as shit movie pass that's gonna just close down and not let me watch the movie that I paid for, you know, one that's in house that I can know when I show up, I can use it. Did you try that one? No, no, because I I saw the writing on the wall before it happened. uh, So I just never signed up for it because I had a feeling that it would probably end up how it did. I don't even remember what it was called. I was like Cinepass or something. Yeah, I I actually did have it and I paid the 20 some dollars a month for like unlimited movies kind of thing. And I will say it worked well for a bit. Yep. And it wasn't like the whole them just shutting and ceasing operations that screwed me. What was inconvenient is, is when you pick movie tickets and it's like, okay, you're going to, what movie are you going to go see? And like, oh, I'm going to go see this one at this time. You have to like punch in the time of the movie before you even pick the tickets. So like oh. if you're going to go see a four o'clock movie, you have, it'll be like, oh, what time are you, what are you going to, what time is the movie you're going to see? And you go four o'clock. And it'll be like, okay, which theater? And then you have to punch in the address of the theater. And then it would bring up that theater and be like, okay, and what was the movie? And then you click it. And after you like decide that's the movie you're going to see, it like transfers you to the Cineplex app. And then you have to buy that ticket, but you have to use this like kind of like a credit card number that they give you with the Cinepass. I remember my buddy having to fuck around with that. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it would work really well. And then other times I'd have to enter that number like a dozen times and it wouldn't work. And when I got my like premium subscription, I was supposed to get an actual Cinepass type credit card that I could use at the machines, but they never actually sent it to me. My buddy never got one either. (laughs) Yeah. I spent hours trying to get a hold of someone to get this card. So you could only buy tickets from the app. And once you bought the tickets, you had like a time limit, like you had 30 minutes to go and check in at the theater. So like you couldn't buy your tickets like eight hours in advance. Yeah. And I want to say that was the main reason why I never signed up for it is like my buddy, because like you were telling uh, me about it. And then my other buddy that uh, lives by me, who I see movies with, was also telling me about it. Uh, but he was also talking about just all the fucking bullshit you had to go through just to get, get a fucking ticket. And yeah, it was and a at, big hassle. And at that point, like, so with the scene points um, for Cineplex, like I, I still like I have never had my balance under like 15,000 or 10,000 points. Um, so like I like I, I can't remember the last time I actually paid for a movie um, with the way I use scene points and all of that. So like I was still like not paying for movie tickets. Um, mm-hmm. So I just like looked at that and I was like. I could go through all of that bullshit or I could just like keep using my scene points in the hopes that like Cineplex will eventually get one, which they're, they're going to end up getting one regardless of whether this business deal happens, which kind you of think so. Like, well, yeah. Cause a lot of the U S chains have it now too. And I think it's like all, a lot of them have canceled them though. Like AMC have- used to have theirs and it's gone now. I thought they still had it. I didn't know. Maybe there's one or two that are still operational, but like the big in-house ones like AMC had an unlimited card and then they changed it to like, oh, instead of unlimited movies, you get five movies a week. And then they lowered that limit too, but the pricing never changed. So all of a sudden it went from, you can go see any movie you want every night of the week. It went to like, oh, now you can only see a limited number of movies and it no longer counts if you want to see something in 3D. And it no longer counts um, if you want to see something in IMAX. And then eventually they uh, just got rid of it. 
See, I didn't know that. I thought for some reason they were they still had it going on. Oh, so I, I mean, if, maybe there are some other ones that still have it going on. But okay, I mean, if it's starting to die out, and there's, I mean, I mean, I when the that company first had one, like I just looked at that, and I just like, like my my like six plus years of business education just kicked in, and I just went, that's a terrible idea, and you can't make money on that. Like, there's no way you can scale that to make money, and like it turns out they couldn't. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so- like so, yeah. I guess it, if that scaling doesn't work, I mean, if it's going to work anywhere, it's going to work in house when you control that. Um, but even then, that's that's also maybe the math doesn't end up working there either. So yeah, yeah, because like the big one down in the states, it was called Movie Pass. Yeah, that was a third. That was an another one, kind of like the one we had in Canada, though, right? Like it was a no. Like we had in a bit. Yeah, it was another, like it wasn't associated related. with a theater, though, right? Right, it wasn't associated with a theater, but it was ten bucks a month, and you get one movie a day, right, for the whole month, and then that shut down in August of. 2017 i think is what it says but then you look at like so some i was wrong i stand corrected here amc does still have one and they call it the stubs a list right and you get three movies a week for 20 bucks a month plus tax honestly that's not bad like no it's not i mean but again that's one admission but i mean granted i mean and that's 20 dollars american right like i don't know the last time you went to an american theater was but like it's pretty cheap down there like if i go and see anything in real d 3d like up here like i'm looking at almost 20 dollars for that yeah and in the states what is it like five uh like 10 depending on what time of the day you go like so i I mean if you call we went and saw one back in february and i think we saw like a one or a two o'clock matinee of the newest bad boys movie and i think our tickets were like seven dollars a piece yeah so i mean even if you said I mean, the math probably works out there if you see at least three movies a month or at least average that, um, which I then probably would, which I probably would, you know, in a good year, you know, this year, not so much being that COVID kind of made it so that you can't see anything, mm-hmm. which kind of leads into this other one that I pulled up, which is a bunch of movie dates got pushed back, like all of everything I know I can understand pushing back the summer release. Yeah. But like to push 10 in a full year that crushed me. No, no, no. It's not a full year. It's, 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 it's just a few weeks. So 10, it went from like July 17th to the 31st because that's when theaters are supposed to open up. Yeah. Of this year. So it's still coming out next month. What? I could have swore. I just read something that said 10. It wasn't coming out till 2021. Nope. No, it's July 31st, unless I missed a news story somewhere, but like they just pushed it a few weeks and then they're uh, releasing Inception in on the July 17th spot. And then they pushed Tenet to the 31st because that's when most of the theaters are opening up. And I know that's probably when ours are going to be like fully up too. Okay, well, then that's not too bad then. I can I can wait a couple more weeks. Yeah. So and it's like our theaters probably wouldn't like the one in Red Deer probably wouldn't be open until the end of July anyway, by the sounds of it. Maybe they're like with gyms and hair salons and like massage parlors and all that stuff opening. Right. This week. 
so Cineplex announced today their plans for what they're opening with, and they're only going to open up six theaters in Alberta. And it's um, it's not right away. It's like a few weeks away. I don't remember the exact dates, but I remember reading it because they like today they just announced like after all this uh, bullshit, like with that old takeover um, that seems to have gotten real messy. They kind of announced like they're, hey, this is our relaunch plan kind of thing. Um, I don't know what the exact dates were, but but I know they're out there as of today. Mm -hmm. So. But yeah, I mean, that this kind of last story was just kind of one that I saw that's just like, oh, shit, Tenon is getting moved, which is kind of like the big one of the summer. And but then again, like I also looked at it when, of course, it got delayed. Everything's getting fucking delayed. Nothing's coming out in theaters. So. Yeah. But I mean, better push I, it just a little bit then. I like I'm seeing a whole lot of like cancellations that are happening now that kind of have me bummed out. Yeah, and I think like I, I know at least like when um, the conversation, like when they were talking with like Nolan and like the studio and they're like, are you thinking of doing this digital? And like Nolan and the studio was like, no, this is absolutely going to be coming to theaters. It, like we are not going to do the digital thing. Um, and so I think it's like they're just kind of they moved it to basically kind of go, OK, every all the theaters in our major markets are going to be open right around the 31st you know the middle of july some might not be so i think if you're gonna move it that short way then that's probably the easiest pill to swallow because then you're going okay all these at least some of our biggest markets are open you know how many people are actually gonna you know how, how much of the population is actually gonna flock into a movie theater right when they open i don't know yeah Who knows right like i'm at least where we're at i'd be comfortable with it but I know there's a lot of places not where we are that have it a whole lot rougher. So yeah, who knows? Right. Yeah. I just, I, I saw something and it freaked. I had to like go look it up and it was that they canceled Ozark. And I was like, that can't be. Oh fuck. Right. I would no. They can't cancel Ozark. Not with how they left no. it off. Not with how they no. talk talk about ending something on a fucking brutal cliffhanger. That would have been one that would have just been like, fuck, you can't do that. <laughs> no, it was just one of those like BS clickbaity things. Oh, too, fuck it's yeah. like, oh, it's renewed. And then I'm like, I, I was going through the slideshow and it was like, it's talking about other shows. It's like Big Bang Theory canceled. I'm like, it's not canceled. They finished their series. And it's been finished for like a few years now. Yeah. And it's like suits canceled. Nope, they they did a series finale. That's that ended normal. Mr. Yep. Robot canceled. Nope, like, no, no, that ended normal. Yeah. So, <laughs> did, yeah. did you watch? Did you finally finish it? Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot. That oh, is? yeah. A while back. Yeah. Yeah, actually, God, that was that was one of the best endings I've ever seen. Yeah, it was it was really good. Like I. I had a roller coaster with that joke because I thought the first season was just like magic i was like this is really good um this totally came out of nowhere and i had no expectations i didn't know what it was um at that point like no one had rami malik hadn't really been in much um i was like yeah this guy's this guy's a rock star he's a good actor this show's great it's great concept and then season two i remember i stopped halfway through because it's like this just isn't like it, it wasn't hitting for me and then i think we were talking about it and you would you were kind of talking about 
kind of where it was going a little bit. And so I struggled through season two and then the last few seasons I was like, okay, like I'm back into it. So it, it was absolutely amazing. It's one of my all time favorite shows now, just from start to finish and having like gone through school now where I've like done stuff involving like computer programming and like using a terminal and stuff like that. It, it just gives me like much more appreciation for that show. Oh, like how realistic it was. Like once you get, and that's like, you get that with all professions, like doctors all see that on like the really shitty daytime um, or like primetime doctor shows and stuff like, like once you have background knowledge of it, like that's also why I love like businessy shows like billions and suits is Mm -hmm. like, like you, it's like, I've gone to school a shit ton for that. So like you understand it um, and all of that. So you can appreciate it when they get it right, you know, versus like, just throwing some like guy just randomly slapping a keyboard and saying hacker man yeah and you know that's that's the hacking thing right or just throwing around a bunch of like business terms and suits that make no sense if you know what you're talking about and yeah right so when they take the time to get it right you know the people that notice it are going to notice it and go okay you know if they're paying that that much detail to it um then at least at least they're doing that right yeah yeah no much appreciated on a completely unrelated note but i just thought about this because we were just talking about tenant yeah i didn't realize like it was literally a week ago i found out that um what's his name there john david washington yeah is denzel's son had no idea what Fuck Are off. you saying that surprise like you didn't know that? No. Or surprised that I didn't? No, I, I had no idea. Yeah, I just, I can't remember where I saw it, but it was just like, what? yeah, John David Washington, Denzel's son. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, I, I did not know that. Holy shit. Yeah, wow. I know, right? Damn. I actually, I actually quite like him in um, Ballers. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Ballers just because it's mostly like, it's just the sports version of Entourage. Um, and it kind of fills the entourage hole in my heart that's been missing uh, for years. Um, and I liked him in that. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, he was he was really good in that. Yeah, like not only did I not know that he was Denzel Washington's son, he actually like went to school, played college football, was signed to play for the St. Louis Rams as an undrafted free agent and Get spent four out. years... As a as a legit running back for the United Football League's Sacramento Mountain Lions, get the fuck out! Holy shit! So he he was yeah. re- really cast perfectly for Ballers then. <laughs> yeah, because that might explain a lot of it. And isn't in the last season? Doesn't he sign with the Rams? Doesn't he sign with the Rams in in one of those seasons? I could be wrong. I think he was going to sign with the LA Rams, oh, okay. right? But then he kind of like messed up because he was taking the steroids. Right, and that that's off, right, buddy. And that's when he ended up doing his like talking show on Sirius and then eventually that documentary. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, I think he's going to end up being quite the actor, especially because Nolan has a great tendency to take kind of smaller actors that haven't like kind of hitting the peak of their career and kind of mm-hmm. like giving them that really great push to get up to the peak. Um he, he does that a lot in a lot of his movies, it seems. Um, like, after the fact, they're usually, like, on a pretty good ride. Um, and I think 
him being the lead and Robert Pattinson, I think is, is going to start to get a, quite a bit bigger, especially because he's got that Batman movie coming out right after that or next yeah, year. Whatever I, it is. I still don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, I, I don't know either. Um, I have very, very mixed feelings. And if you ask me on a different day, I'm going to give a different answer because I'm still salty as fuck with what they did with uh, the Ben Affleck stuff. Because they had, they could have made that shit so good, and they fucked it up so bad. <laughs> I, I, I think Justice League was such, yeah, for lack of a better term, an abomination. Oh yeah, absolutely. That like that Ben was just like, yeah, I'm yeah. getting the fuck out of Dodge, which is a which shame. Is, we oh, go ahead. Sorry. When I, when I heard that Ben Affleck was like not only going to be the Batman, but he was going to do a standalone and that direct he was it, and write. write it. Yeah. yeah. And in my head, initially, I was like, okay, well, we know he's an amazing director. And when we know he... that he's got writing chops, because, I mean, like, yeah. just look at Goodwill Hunting. Like, the yeah. guy's got skill. But secretly, I had hoped in the back of my head, because, unfortunately, like, I knew this wasn't going to happen because they were on outs at the time. And they just, within the last year, publicly, like, reconciled and became friends again. But I was praying that he brought Kevin Smith on to write. Yeah. Yeah. I, I it it had all the right like talk about how Warner Brothers fucked up that DC franchise it just like it 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 astounds me because it starts with Man of Steel and I think Man of Steel is an amazing movie. I love that movie. I think how they did a Superman story where you humanized Superman and they did it in such a way that you actually could relate to it. Yeah. Um really well. I thought that movie was like great. Um, and then they go into Batman v Superman, which has its fair share of issues. But on the whole, it wasn't terrible. No, and there's parts that I think are really good. Like, I think Ben Affleck as Batman in the movie is amazing. I mean, he's got the Batman physique for it. I mean, the dude's a fucking tank. He was bigger than Henry Cavill. He was bigger than Superman. Like, get yeah. the fuck out of here. Um, My I mean, whole gripe with that movie was the whole scene where he's like, uh, Martha. Everyone's gripe Martha? with that. Everyone's gripe with that. Yeah. Um, but like how they shot him, like, and he's he's got the acting chops that he he pulled off um the Batman and that complicated or as complicated as you want to make Batman. And then the fight choreography as Batman, like that warehouse scene in Batman v Superman looked like a fucking Arkham Batman Arkham video game cutscene where it was like, holy shit, that's how Batman fights. Yeah, it was it was good. It was I was really disappointed when he just bailed on it all. Yeah, and then they made I, I was I was hopeful, especially because in the in was it in Justice League when he walks by and you see Robin's outfit with the Joker ha ha scrolled on it. Uh, that's Batman v Superman. That was in Batman v Superman. Yeah. Yeah. When I saw that, I was like, oh, man, if they like touch Point on that, that storyline. Yeah. Where the oh, Joker yeah. kills Robin yeah. like. Fuck yeah. This could be an amazing Batman movie. Fuck yeah. And like the early was... talks was he was maybe going to do like an Arkham Asylum kind of like thing where it like or like a long Halloween storyline where it takes place all in one night and he fights like half his rogues gallery. And yeah, that would have been amazing. Yeah. And then they did Justice League and like one of my biggest grapes just there's a lot of grapes to Justice League. Um, but like one of the big ones is they made Batman a complete dumbass. He was not. Yeah. He was. He wasn't the greatest detective in that uh, movie. He was the absolute worst. And it's like they totally took the best quality of that character and just like dumped it down. And I was like, "What the? F yeah." I don't know what DC is doing. Like, 
yeah especially I mean, when you when you look like i like i like the first wonder woman movie i'm excited for the new one i thought aquaman yeah, was actually good. a shit ton of fun um like i had a really good time with aquaman um it's on my list but what's her name's not coming back no no she's she <laughs> kind of burned her way out of that one um yeah um i have no idea what they're gonna do you know i'm trying to think of what they got like firmly that's like filmed and they've got stuff coming out well they have the just... suicide squad with james gunn that's i i want to say i'm in... hopeful but yeah but i'm not holding my breath um which yeah it's like it's kind of a shame just because i felt like like man of steel is 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 i think it's just an amazing film like aside from just being a uh, big dc comic book fan um like i just thought it was a great movie um that told a good story um, yeah no i'm i'm with you there i would love to see and like maybe and i'm probably biased here just because i'm such a big fucking kevin smith fan but i don't understand why they won't let him take a dc ip and like go with it because it makes no sense to me like even yeah. stan smith or not stan smith stan lee sorry himself has commented and been like i don't understand why no one lets kevin smith do a comic book movie because he is the ultimate hollywood comic book nerd uh, fuck and yeah. not only that but he he's written and directed episodes of arrow the flash and super supergirl or one and he's yeah, directed supergirl. a bunch of like dc animated stuff too i think hasn't he and he even wrote his own Batman series. Like yeah. he had a 10 issue Batman series called the widening Gyre, Gyre or something to that effect. He wrote that whole series. Like this is some, like there's yeah. no one better for the job. Yeah. Especially like, you know, if you think studio wise, you know, like it, it's a no brainer, especially if you say, okay, Kevin Smith, go find yourself maybe not an a tier like justice league character but like go find like a really good like b tier uh comic uh dc comic character that you like because you know he's, he's probably got a handful that he loves give him yeah, for sure. give him a small budget um you know so that there's not a lot of stakes and see what happens um like to me that would be the smart play um yeah i i don't know either <laughs> it's it, it just it's very unfortunate like what he was like i don't know if you ever listen to any of his podcasts but like he talks about a lot of the different stuff that he was like almost going to do but last minute it had changed and stuff and like he was set to do to write and direct um he-man master of the universe as a series i would have watched the shit out of that yeah and he's a big he-man fan and like knows it inside and out so like it's a like, to me that's a no-brainer but i guess hollywood just sees you know, clerks and mall rats and they just instinctively like, okay, this is the guy who likes to smoke weed and do dick and fart jokes. So he can't be trusted with, you know, these potential blockbuster films. And I, I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's No, fair. but I mean, 99% of Hollywood isn't fair in most areas. So <laughs> no, I know. No. but like, it's, it's very much like, yeah, like I totally agree with you. And like, the the days of like getting typecasted into roles is still very much there um and it's still like it, it's super hard especially when you play or do the same thing for so many years that's all people can ever see you um as for hollywood 
which is wild because if anyone from Hollywood, you know, works for Warner Brothers or anything, would just take a couple hours out of their day and listen to like two or three episodes of Fat Man on Batman, or even like just sit down with like a serious pitch meeting and like or like a first draft script like yeah and then yeah maybe you you need to script doctor it up and like sharpen it up and have them approve it but yeah yeah i don't know but like i i agree with you there'd be nothing more i would love to see because i'm a big kevin smith fan as well so yeah i can't wait for clerks three and the sequel to mall rats like i'm beyond excited and yeah. i hope and like i i have high hopes because i'm not i'm not gonna lie to you as much as i love kevin smith like i i own all of his books i listen to his podcasts like i've gone and seen him live like four or five times i even like when he did red state i went out bought tickets and bought and like went and did like the screening where he shows you the movie and then does the q a after like big fan i was yeah. very disappointed with jay and silent bob reboot yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed my time with it, but it definitely and like I'm I'm not as big of a Kevin Smith fan as you. Like I'm I'm not as much of a fan, but I still very much like like I I probably haven't seen a good handful of his movies. Um, but I like what I do watch and like just his personality and like seeing like i think i've listened to a few episodes of his podcast and he had that comic book show on amc uh, with comic book men yeah and i watched that for a while and and kind of enjoyed that and then um at one of the comic cons one year i went to like a live uh recorded podcast episode uh that they did and like that was amazing so like I, like i'm definitely not to the fan like the fan level that you are but like at the same time like I've never watched anything and been like, Oh, I really don't like that. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Jane Silent Bob reboot. Yeah. And it was a bummer. Cause like I would follow him on Instagram and stuff too. So like, I was like seeing the clips where it's like, Oh look, he's got Joe, uh, Man- Mangeloni, Mangelini. Yeah. Like he's in method and red man have a cameo. Like all these, like he even had, um, Oh man, why am I all of a sudden blanking on celebrity names all of a sudden? Thor, Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, yeah. Like he had Chris Hemsworth in there, right? Like just amazing cameos. I, I was so excited and then I was not heartbroken, yeah. but I was just kind of bummed out. And I think I had that too because uh the pod the live podcast that we went to one Comic Con was like two years before um the movie came out and they did they rehearsed um an early draft of a scene from the movie, like live for the audience. Um and like I remember listening to it, going like, "Yeah, that's fucking awesome." Um, so like I kind of also had that too, just because I had like a very specific, unique experience, um, like listening to like a first draft scene that they had like just written um, for it. But, but yeah, yeah, sad. I know. Well, is what you watched this week devs sad or is that good? What is devs? Uh, I I just wanted to talk about devs. Like I actually finished it a, f- a few weeks ago. Okay, I know you, nothing you not, about. You devs. know nothing about devs. I quickly oh. IMDb it when you tossed it in the Discord, and I saw Nick Offerman, and I was like, okay. And I saw that it was uh, maybe made by FX, and I was like, okay, that's 
that's a that's a good cable outlet and Nick Offerman is good, but I I literally don't know what the plot is or anything. So those are the only it. two things that you noticed. Did I you not quick, noticed that it, that the whole it's I don't even think I think it's just a, a mini series. I don't think there's going to be a season two. I re, I really don't know. So it's just a one off thing. It's, yeah, like I don't like I mean you would don't need us. They don't need a second season. And the way it ended, like I don't know how they would do a second season. But I'm sure anything's possible. But it's written and directed by Alex Gardland. Oh. Which, if 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 that's not ringing a bell, like Annihilation, yep, um, and uh, Ex Machina, yeah, he wrote the beat. later, yeah, like yep. So it, and the whole like so the whole premise is, um, Nick Offerman's character, which I honestly can't, as much as I love the show, can't remember his character's name now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He's like a tech mogul and his his wife and his daughter die in a car accident pretty much in front of him. Like he's on the phone with them and she's like telling him like, oh, did you go get milk? And he's like, well, we can get milk later. And she goes to like drive straight through the intersection onto their street where their house is and she gets T-boned. And he's like stunned and runs over there and, and both his, his wife and his daughter passed. And so he's this big tech mogul and he has this tech company and he names it after his daughter. And then he develops this thing that he calls devs. And it's like the super secretive program that only certain people get handpicked to work for. And it's like out in the middle of this field is the entrance to this devs building still on their like their tech campus, I guess, but like only like, very limited access, right? You're not allowed to bring anything in there. No phones, nothing. So kind of like, uh, here's the secret, like almost kind of like government, like top secret project that he's enlisting for, like kind of that ish. Kind of, yeah. So like the whole show starts off where he recruits this guy. I can't remember his name either. Uh, and he's dating a girl, and they both work for this company, and um he goes down into devs after being selected for this program. And then like, sorry, spoiler alert, but it happens in the first like 10 minutes of the first episode. So I yeah. don't feel that bad. No, but set up is what I call leaving. that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Nick Offerman kind of corners him in the woods as he's trying to leave and is like, Hey, I know you have a camera in your watch. And like, I told you the rules and like, you're not allowed to do all this. And he's got a guy kind of like, um, uh, who's the right hand man in um Breaking Bad? Oh, um, you know who I'm talking about, right? On uh, you, he was Gus's right hand man, I believe. Oh, um, like the yeah. the bald guy. Oh, Mike. Yeah, yeah, Mike. I, yeah. So he he's got he's got a guy that's kind of like the equivalent of Mike. Okay, that yeah. handles security and you know other quote unquote needs, and they end up killing this guy Sergey. That's his name. They end up killing Sergey because he's trying to steal this like top secret code out of this devs thing. So then his girlfriend, who also works at devs, notices that he didn't come home, and then she starts inquiring like, "Where did he go? What happened?" And then they show this video where he showed up on the devs 
property after leaving and he lights himself on fire and then she runs out and sees the corpse but she doesn't believe it to be true she's like there's no way he would have killed himself so that's just like this big unraveling mystery as to like she's trying to figure out like what actually happened to sergey which leads her to oh, you know okay. kind of learning a little bit about what devs is okay and like the whole premise of devs is it's this like crazy supercomputer for lack of a better term and okay. it's able to simulate um, things with such great accuracy that it can simulate the past with like with precision accuracy. So like there's like a scene oh, okay. where they're like messing with the algorithm to try and get it a little bit more accurate. And they have this oh, room that's got almost, like a almost kind of like the Turing test in like, uh, did you ever totally up topic? Did you ever watch? Oh shit. Uh, the dude who played. Sherlock. No. Uh, oh, the end game one or whatever. Imitation game. Yes. Yeah. We're like, they kind of build that machine and it's like the big moment of like, holy shit, like we cracked the code. Like, that yeah, kind it's, of thing. it's it kind of like that, but they have this room with a TV in it and they're able to use this algorithm and this code in the supercomputer to basically simulate things and show it on the screen. But it's really fuzzy, like it's not in color and it's not a clear picture. You can just kind of see things. So they like they get it to a point where they're able to punch in any day in the past and show you exactly what happened. So like in one scene there, they figured out a new algorithm where they're actually able to get sound for the first time. And like they they're in this room and they can see Jesus being hung on the cross. Oh, shit. You've got but it's you, able very intrigued. How many episodes is it? Ten is it long. OK, huh? They're, I think they're like 40 minutes an episode. 42 minutes have, maybe i have to check that out because like i i didn't know anything but, of it and that actually sounds pretty pretty good well and and it's so wild because not only can they simulate with like perfect precision all of the past events it can they can simulate and show you exactly what's going to happen in the future up until a certain day and on this final day where they can't see anything past it is the day where this girl sergey's girlfriend actually discovers and learns what devs really is and goes uh, inside okay yeah so that the can... whole season you're like trying to figure out like what happens when she finally figures everything out and it's just like a whole mind fuck like the whole the whole series makes you like yep. question everything because they're telling you like there's no such thing as like any like there's no such thing as a random event that everything happens directly as a cause of something that happened precede it and i like, i won't ruin it but there's a monologue yeah. that happens when Fair enough. where it's like the age old like okay if, if if you can correlate uh like a cause and a probability then you can calculate it like that's the basis of statistics right so yeah basically like that and it's it also has uh, allison pill in it and like I, I won't say anything about it but like i think it's the sixth or seventh episode she oh. sits down with Sergey's girlfriend and she has this long monologue where she's explaining why nothing random ever happens, that there's no such thing as a, as a truly random event. And like just her monologue was like mind melting. I do like Allison Phil. I really liked her in the newsroom. So. So um, it was it was an amazing show, like you. one of the few shows that like as soon as I was able to watch it, I watched it. Huh? that you kind of describing that also reminds me a little bit of and i don't know if you watched it but the hbo watchman series uh i watched the first episode but i haven't haven't made it through the other ones yet so that is a very much a show that that very much like i found 
picks up its steam and its story like halfway in. And then like it's ends up being this whole crazy story that like it's one of those shows that gets better with every episode. Um, like or each episode, like the next episode is better than the last, which is a TV shows often don't do that. You start strong and then you dwindle down. Mm-hmm. Um, so which sucks because then you've unless you're sticking that hump out, you're not going to get to the end of it. And at least nowadays, like for because there's so much TV and shit out there, like for me, usually unless you're grabbing my attention in the pilot or at the very least kind of piquing my interest and then me giving the second episode a shot, like if I'm not into it after that, I usually drop it. Oh, really? Yeah, like I'm very much like if you don't got me in the first episode, I'm probably out. If I'm kind of like the premise or I kind of like the actors or like it's a director that I really like or something like that, then I might give it like one or two more episodes. But I'm very much a person that's like, I'm not going to watch all of it just because I watched two episodes. Like if it's not grabbing me, there's other shit out there. Fair enough. Yeah, it's like I I will go back and uh, and and like actually finish watching it but just unfortunately has not happened yet but i'm very intrigued and i and i'm a huge trent reznor fan so when i found out that he was doing the score i was all about it Hmm. because i some of the like i'm sure you've seen movies where like the soundtrack or like the the movie score really makes the movie like you can't imagine the movie being the way it was without it all the time like a good score is amazing and that's to kind of, i guess quickly circle back to my love of the man of steel i love the score in that movie like how they scored that movie like to me it was a great thing about it so yeah no i'm totally with you on that front yeah like that's like that's why um i mean i love fincher but it was Reznor's score of the social network that made me think that was such an amazing movie like that score was just so perfect for that movie yeah you do it right and it it'll elevate the emotions that your audience is feeling if you do it right for sure and, and you can make you know a good scene turn into a great scene right um you know it's not the only way to do it, but it's definitely it, it never hurts to have an awesome score right or speaking of great scores any christopher nolan movie the, like the score in interstellar and i fucking interstellar is one of my favorite movies of all time uh like the scene when they're on the planet and the uh, like each hour is like a year or however long it is mm-hmm. the score. So it's like this really bassy score and each bass beat is a year on earth or like a, uh, like they actually synced it up to like how many beats is in the score. Like while they're on that planet is the time that's gone by on earth. And once I realized that and then like rewatched it, like, it had like another effect on me. And then also like just the score, like when Matthew McConaughey is watching like 30 years of videos of like his kids growing up, like yeah. and the score with that, uh, like it's just an awesome, like you said, an example of like where you just go that you walk out going like the score was amazing. Right. Like you can single-handedly pick it out. Right. Yeah, for sure. 
Hmm. Well, I'm definitely going to have to check out devs because now you yeah you should it's it was amazing and i i love nick offerman so like to see him crush that role yeah yeah i'll probably watch it um i might throw it on my list when i am done better call Saul, which is one of the things i watched this week that's that's one show i've I've made several attempts i've watched the first two seasons okay and i'll periodically go back and like try to get back into it but i don't know there's just something that not, not clicking for you it, yeah maybe it's because i expect too much breaking bad-esque kind of stuff from it given that it's like a spin-off but yeah um i'm a big fan of it and it's so i'm watching the most recent season it, it's it's been aired for a while but i just got got the full season now so i'm like two episodes in in season five um but it is like definitely not breaking bad um but it has a lot of breaking bad characters in it because it's a prequel, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Where I find and where I think the show is strongest is developing and giving backstories to the characters that didn't necessarily get a lot of it in Breaking Bad. So like Mike gets some pretty good backstory on how he starts like with Gus Fring and all of that. And how that relationship develops and it's super good and how the story i guess of like saul goodman becoming saul goodman i think is really good because he he's very much not that for a very long time right right so that's where i think it's strongest like i think that the character writing and giving those backstories like i think it's I think you could totally watch it with net while well, like never before watching Breaking Bad, but I think the best way to get the full effect of that show would be to watch Breaking Bad first. You know, even yeah. though it's prequel, like I don't think it would work as well as it does without knowing what happens to those characters. And well, also because they do flashbacks uh past Breaking Bad. So like they do fl so you know, at the end of Breaking Bad, Saul Goodman is like working in that Cinnabon. Yeah. So they actually play into that in the future and actually do flashbacks like way ahead of Breaking Bad of like kind of how that's turning out. It's very brief and they're like clearly building towards something in it, but they definitely do some stuff with that, which is like really interesting because it's like small tidbits that you know there's a storyline building there, but they're just not ready to say it. So at one, at some point this show is going to like show you what happened after breaking bad. I think it's going to maybe. And like, I don't know because it hasn't fully gone that route yet. Like it's kind of what they, where they show like Sal Goodman after breaking bad is, you know how like uh, the first, like, minute of a breaking bad episode was like this totally random scene that you had no context for and then like maybe later that season you all of a sudden got a big dump of context and went oh shit that's why they showed me that like minute thing that didn't make any sense yeah kind of doing that with like the him after like him working in that cinnabon so like they'll open up like a couple episodes of the season and just show him like randomly like grabbing a passport and like some of his money and like 
calling someone and being like, yo, my cover's blown. And then like hanging up the phone and then like contacting them again and being like, no, I'm going to take care of it. And like, that's the end of it. So like, they're clearly leading towards something. I just don't know what it is. That he's an informant. <sighs> Maybe. Hmm. I mean, I don't know. I don't see anything playing it that way, but I mean, maybe I could well, maybe, see that. I don't know. Maybe I need to go back and carry on and just kind of force myself through it. I just, I felt like the, the amount of episodes I got through, I didn't feel that like that payoff, I guess for the time yeah. invested, like, you know, with breaking bad, like the first, I mean, pretty much the most of the first season was incredibly slow and it was like, I don't know if this is for me, but yep. I'll keep giving it a shot. And then, you know, the time you invested into it, it, it started to pay off and all of a sudden like things start going off the rails and it gets exciting and intense and cliffhangers and you just can't wait to see what happens next. Yeah. And so I haven't I, gotten that feeling yet. So it definitely, it definitely has that, but it like, it's, I will say it's probably not like it's not as big of payoffs as like the big breaking bad payoffs where it's like, holy shit, this like shit just hit the fan, but there is definitely buildups to shit happening, but it's, but it's also not a story of two dudes cooking meth. It's a mm -hmm. story about Saul Goodman as a lawyer and the shit around with that and where you kind of start to get some of those payoffs is as it shows how Gus Fring builds his kind of backdoor meth empire under the Mexicans without them knowing. Yeah. And there's some payoffs there, like as like it shows how he builds that underground uh, like meth lab that's state of the art. And there's some really cool stuff with when he brings Mike into that, like how they how they actually do that. And maybe this is just like a weird thing that I love, but I love like weird like when shows tackle like really weird, like logistic things where it's like, Oh yeah, that's, that's actually how you would do that in real life. But like, you never think about it in your daily life because you're not building an underground meth factory, but like, they don't just do the thing where it's just like, Oh yeah, no, like here's us building the thing. Like they actually go into detail on like how you would like kind of conceivably do it without anyone knowing. And I find yeah. that super cool. Interesting. But maybe it's like, I don't know, like, like I said, I, I'm one that like if something's not grabbing my attention, like I it's got to be a very interesting premise for me to stick with it. Um, or it's got to be just entertaining enough that I can throw it on the, uh, like a separate TV as I play video games and I'll just kind of digest the important parts. Yeah. Um, but like usually like if it's a really good show, like like uh, like a Better Call Saul or like a Game of Thrones back in its good days. Like those are usually the shows where it's like, okay, like it, 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 it deserves and it's getting my full attention. Um, but if it's not grabbing you, I, I don't know. Well, maybe, and it's been a while since I've gone back. Like I watched the first two seasons right when they first came out. So, I mean, maybe I'm just in a different heads headspace now where it would be somewhat different. Yeah. I mean, it's always worth giving like the third season a shot and seeing if it grabs you. I want to say the third season is maybe when some of the good stuff happens. I'm trying to remember. Like, I want to say that's maybe when Mike starts coming into the picture with Gus, because I want to say he's not in the first two seasons, but it's been so long. I don't remember. I don't I don't recall him being in the first two, but like I so, said, it's been a while. So and I want to say it's like maybe the third season where like 
the guest stuff and the mic stuff starts to kind of come into play. So maybe that's when you would like it. But at the same time, if it's not hitting, it's not hitting, right? Now it's hit and miss with some, but I have like an OCD where I where I start if I start a series, you got or like it. a yeah, or like a movie trilogy or like a movie series, like I I feel compelled to to finish it even if it's not my forte. Like I got suckered in once upon a time by an ex girlfriend watch to watch uh like the first few Twilight movies. Oh yeah, and then I I had no interest in watching the rest, but it's like well I. I want to know what happens. I have to finish watching the rest of these movies. Oh yeah. See, that's where I'm different. Like, like to me, like if something's trash halfway through or like, it's not hitting, like I have no problems fucking dropping it. Cause I'm just like, I know there's something else that I could be watching. That's probably better for a second. I thought you said when you said once upon a time, I thought you were going to say the ABC show once upon a time, or it's like all the Disney characters in real life. And I watched way more seasons of that than I want to admit to on this podcast. I've never seen a single episode. It's not good. Like the first but, few seasons are kind of cool, but but I watched it way longer than that, and it was bad. But well, you're you're talking to a man in his thirties who still periodically goes back and watches Boy Meets World. So, dude, I just had the Batman animated series on the other day. So, <laughs> and I've got a ton of like just garbage ass TV that I like to watch while I do stuff that I just keep watching for no reason, such as like the CW's Riverdale and the One Hundred that are just like kind of dog shit shows but for some reason i still watch them yeah i dude you i'm right there with you i i watch riverdale and i still watch riverdale i tried to watch the 100 but and like i don't maybe it's changed since then but when i first because i think my brother and a few other people were talking about how it was really interesting but the whoever that main girl is she was such a bad actor that it ruined that show I was intrigued yeah. by the premise and it like it was going in a direction where I was like, oh, maybe I can get on board with this. But her just terrible acting ability ruined that show for me to the point where I was like, I can't I can't watch this show. She's so bad at acting and maybe she's gotten better since then. But like, uh, I have no idea how she got cast in that role. Maybe a little bit better. But like, I will say, like, like to me, what when I think of CW act, like, I, I don't think I've ever seen a really like good act actor or actress on a cw show other than supernatural supernatural is going to place in my heart but i don't know like, smallville was pretty good i watched all of smallville but like i i guess my point is is like 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 the cw is like kind of like popcorn tv in my mind like it's not mm, that's fair it's not like a cw show likely isn't gonna win an emmy no right you know so, and that's i don't mean the shit on the cw that way because i love i love a lot of their shows um but like to me, I never go to a CW show for the acting, right? I go to watch a bunch of like way more, like way too beautiful people for this show that just has like some ridiculous premises that is just, I can just kind of shut my brain off and watch it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But yeah. Did you, are you up to date on your Riverdale? No, I'm super behind. I want to say I'm like a season and a half behind. Oh man. Cause like, it was kind of all over the place before, but this whole last season, I'm just like, the fuck? Well, and I remember like this show just it's, kept more and more ridiculous. And I just I had the same thought where I was just like, man, what the fuck are they doing? Like the first season is like this murder mystery. And then it turns out that there's now a drug ring that's based on children's candy and they're selling pop rocks, fucking meth or something 
or whatever the fuck the sizzle something whatever they call it yeah yeah like i don't understand what those writers are doing and maybe every season or maybe it's it, it honestly it seems like every four episodes they fire the entire writing staff and bring in a completely new writing staff and tell them to write the next episode without having ever watched the previous ones. Like that's how I feel. It's either that, there's like so many. Yeah. Like it's either that well, or it's just, just a bunch of interns taking bong hits and fucking writing down and going, that would be awesome. But like totally not remembering what they wrote the last week. <laughs> well, and like, I honestly, I enjoyed the first season. I enjoyed most of the second season too. It was like, okay it's weird quirky but i'm curious to see what happens but then they just start doing all this weird shit and they start bringing up these like storylines or i guess like like story arcs and they never like it it feels like they never actually complete them like there's a couple episodes where they talk about that underground like lab making the sizzle sticks or whatever the hell they're called and then it just like disappears like it's no longer a plot in the story and they just move on and then, like, the season yeah. before this one, they did a whole thing with where they brought um, that dude from One Tree Hill. That's the season I'm on. Yeah. Yeah, they bring him in as Edgar Never Ever. And you're trying to figure out, like, what's going on here? And then it kind of ends on this, like, cliffhanger. You Then you start this next season, and they literally dedicate, like, 10 minutes of the first episode of the new season to explain, like, what happened to him. And then it's just, he's just gone yeah and you're like what like that's the conclusion that you come like okay the the farm is no longer relevant in the story and edgar ever never is is fucking gone and the way they got rid of him man it was insulting almost because he decides he's gonna fly to the space to space on this like rocket and he's wearing this like yeah this like white leather american flag evil knievel looking like outfit as he goes to get into this rocket and then you're like, what the fuck is happening here? I just had the really, like, really, yeah. Go ahead. It's it's so bad. It's so bad. And then they bring in Betty's freaking like real brother, who's an FBI agent. But then he's for some reason working for the FBI, but by himself, and oh, has yeah. made a makeshift office yeah. in the bottom of like the school or something. And he's yeah. letting kids solve FBI cases. And you're like. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's right. Because that's that's where I am. And then she's got like the serial killer gene or something like that. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's so messed up. So like, I don't the- I don't even understand. And they have some like a, a lot of the big characters are leaving. Like yeah. um, the guy who plays Victor or Veronica's mom, she's leaving. She's done after this season. Oh, really? And the guy who plays um, Jughead's dad, he's leaving after this season. Oh no, he was. I actually really like him. Yeah, so did I. But so like those two are gone. And so I imagine it won't be long if he hasn't already decided to pull out the guy who plays Veronica's dad, like yeah, Kelly Ripa's husband, whatever yeah. his name is. Like, yeah. So they're losing people. And then I was even reading reports that um, Cole Sprouse might leave the show. And it's like, well, how does how do you do this without Jughead? It's, I, it's just so messed up. The whole what, show, man, it doesn't make sense. But honestly, like you say, how do you do that without Jughead? But th- this show was never an Archie comic TV show. Like as soon as that, I like they got a few episodes into that first season. Like I was like, okay, this is in what fucking world did you think this is what an Archie comic TV show would look like? Honestly, well, it's supposed to be based in the art, based on the Archie character. Yeah. Modern so, like, day. 
yeah but like i think like where they are now like it almost doesn't matter like it, no. it almost doesn't matter if it's the archie characters or not like i think they've gone off and done so much weird fucking dumbass shit that like I honestly don't think it matters. <laughs> and I could be totally wrong on that, but no, at the end of the day, it probably doesn't matter, but it's just shameful to see. Like I was a fan of the first season and I was into it. And, and like, now I just keep watching because I want to see how much more of a train wreck they can make this. That's kind of why I still watch it is like, I'll throw it on like as I'm playing a game or something like that, where I can like, just like pay attention to the beats and, and like, I'll, every once in a while like pause my game and be like what the fuck are they what the fuck are they doing (laughs) like who greenlit this (laughs) who who decided this was the way they were gonna go like who who approved that script for the week like who did that who thought that was a good idea they must be just a bunch of interns from like the vancouver film school that are in their like first year yeah learning how to write scripts for the first time yeah, that are getting paid nothing but fucking leftover craft table lunches from the set and yeah. getting their college credits. <laughs> and I think what bothers me the most about that show, and I and I it really irritates me when shows do this, with the exception of like probably South Park. But I don't like when like a a dark, kind of edgy drama does musical episodes oh yeah fuck yeah and they do that and they they did that a couple times this past season where i'm like i'm watching it and i'm like uh i'm pretty sure i'm supposed to be watching riverdale not glee yeah i'm with you there like i don't mind if like a light-hearted show decides to do a musical like but something like that i I think work well i'm okay if like they they have an episode and like at some point in the episode they're gonna have get on stage and do a song for the talent show or like they'll do a couple episodes where veronica's in her bon wani or whatever it's called her speakeasy and she'll get up and she'll like sing part of a song it's like i'm okay with that yeah that makes sense yeah yeah, but when they do an episode where there's like a bunch of musical numbers it's like what the fuck are you doing yeah and like you're talking to a guy that like i fucking shamelessly love musicals like i'm the opposite I love them so much. Um, like I, I love musicals. So like pitching me a musical, like episode of a TV show, like is, is a no brainer and I'm going to watch it. But like, you've kind of got to set it up. Right. Like I think I'm trying to think of a CW one that actually kind of worked. And I want to say the flash show did it, but they did it in a way where they like traveled back in time to do it because the flash could do that. And it maybe made a little bit more sense, but yeah, no, I don't. The only musical I cared for was the Book of Mormon. I I don't recognize that one. So that's the one that was written by uh, Matt Parker and Trey Stone. Oh, okay. Or Matt Stone and Trey Parker. I okay. always get their last names mixed up. The South no. Park guys. Yeah. I was fortunate enough to actually see it on Broadway last summer, and it was amazing. Yeah, I've only ever been to like one live like. I guess Broadway musical show. And I think it was like the sound of music when I was like 14 in school or something. And at that, <laughs> at, at that time I, I couldn't, I, I, I didn't have any of the appreciation that I would have had for it now. Um, or like now it would be actually something that I would like go pay good money for and like make a, a day out of it and have a really good time. But 14 year old me was like, man, this fucking blows. <laughs> mm, that's fair. 
that's fair. I just, it's, it would be different. I think I would be a little more accepting if like some of these like musical, the episodes that they do a whole musical of the whole episode, if they were like very pertinent to the actual like story arc. Yeah. Relevant to anything really. But like from what I recall, the musical episodes that they do in that show, like once that episode's done, like it's never really referenced or talked about again. So it's like, what was the point? Yeah, it was just like you shoehorned a musical in just because you thought it was a good idea. Yeah. Point. So and it's like, and what the fuck? Why? It, 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 like exactly what you said, like it, if it made sense narratively to like maybe have this one off thing that happens for some weird reason and like it's a CW show, you don't have to you don't have to give us a whole lot of backstory on why you're doing it. But like a couple of like light narrative reasons why would maybe solve that problem. Um, but to just not bother to do that and just like be like, yo, we're doing a musical. Uh, there you go. Mm-hmm, exactly. Like when I see that, it just screams that like, oh, your writers were on vacation that week and they had to pound. Yeah, out they don't have any out. ideas. They had they had they had to pound something out for the week. Like like at that point, it it reminds me of like primetime TV uh, that's 24 episodes long and you end up having a bunch of random trash fillers that don't make any sense. Yeah, exactly. But. No. Well, anyway. Musicals. Or not really. So billions. Yes. What do you think of the season? I'm loving it. See, I'm absolutely loving it. I love. Although I don't. I'm a little concerned with the direction they're taking with Axelrod. Like, I don't know how I feel about like how the narrative of him is starting to shift like to where it seems like he's almost getting a little like stalkery love obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where like, I've, I still love the show. I, I still tune in and watch it every week, but I think it's starting to get to that point in the show where like, I don't want to say they're running out of ideas, but like it felt like the first, because what is it, season four that we're in? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. The first three seasons seemed like it had a very kind of like good narrative structure. Like the first season was this Chuck-Axe battle. You know, and season two was kind of the winding down of that. And then season three was like kind of them working together in this odd way against this other guy. And then... Like, it seems like this season, like, I haven't gotten, like, like, it seems like it's just looped back to Chuck vs. Axe and kind of, like, some of these other things that they're putting in. And I don't know. Like, I still like it, but I just, I'm trying to figure out, like, how I can say it, but, like, I just, I don't feel like it's as cohesive as the other seasons, maybe. No, I, I, I get what you're saying, like it's I don't know like the whole the story arc of this season with him wanting having that battle with uh, I always think of him as Z from that really bad song or vampire TV show that I watched the whole series of oh yeah yeah I don't remember his name but the the bald yeah. guy I think it is yeah 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 like his little like battle of who's the you know who's the big dog kind of thing and the story arc of like him trying to get a bank. I don't know. It doesn't. Yeah. Like to me, like feel like it feels like, like it doesn't feel as weighty as like the other 
like kind of seasons narratives has like where the other ones like you kind of had this like like you know the first season is the check for sax battle second one was very much that and the fallout of that and then season three is like them weirdly working together for this greater cause and they like they were all kind of these bigger like i don't want to say epic storylines but you know what i mean and then like this one just kind of seems like okay there's like a side one like you said with that bald guy and then there's like this stuff with the art guy and you know the shit with um taylor yeah and they're weirdly giving like wax a storyline now with like a kid um like it's it seems like it seems like there's not like a firm direction on where they want to go with this season yeah, it does like uh, it seems like in the past season there was a main story arc and then like side stories happening. And yeah. so far it seems like this season's very scattered that there's a lot of little side stories and you're not really sure where the priority lies. And to me it feels like like the stakes are lower. Yeah, it, yeah, if that like, makes it, sense. Yeah, no totally. Like it, it and I think that's a result of having these like a bunch of these smaller kind of storylines is like you end up with these smaller stakes. And, like, I'm fine if you're going to do, like, some smaller storylines, if you're going to pull them in kind of neatly together and there's going to be, like, an end result that you're going to go, like, oh, shit, okay, so that's how they all combine. But, like, I look at it now and I'm just, like, how does this end up coming into, like, this thing, this high-stakes thing that kind of Billions was about? And I don't know how they craft that and were like halfway through the season because it's like what 10 12 episodes and we're like last night was five ish i want to say yeah hopefully it turns around I, th- I see this happen in a lot of tv shows and it kind of irks me a little but like i understand and, and like what i see is you have a show that starts and you have like a couple of main characters that the story revolves around right and then you have <clears throat> like the supporting characters but then the fans like the supporting characters and you know there's that public outcry like oh like wag should get more time or we like more of this person and so on so they start giving them a more prominent role and a more integral part of the story but then as soon as that happens when you complete that story arc after giving them so much screen time you kind of got to keep you can't just drop that character off i guess so to speak like not as easily i mean it was easy to get rid of malin i guess but yeah like whatever yeah. happened to her and you you don't really see you saw the one kid but you don't really see both of them but it's just like like the best example i can think of is big bang theory right like it started off just about that little group of four and yeah. penny was kind of a side character and then she became a prominent role and then well now you have howard's girlfriend right and then she became a prominent role and then they brought in um whatever her name was that i can't think of either from oh yes nickelodeon show yeah i think your name's also malin isn't it that sounds right but i knew i was never big into the big bang theory so i don't know oh well they they bring in her so like before you would have like an episode would have its main story and then maybe there were a couple like little side things that were happening and then you get into the last couple seasons and the last few seasons of that show were really painful for me personally to watch because you had too much going on. So you would have like a two minute scene of Leonard and Penny, and then it would cut to a two minute scene of Sheldon and Amy. Then it would cut to a two minute scene of Raj and whatever he's doing, cut to a two minute scene of 
Bernadette and Howard. And it just, it became scattered because everyone needed to get their screen time and everyone needed to have their own story. And it just became too scattered for such a, a 20 short 22 minute block of entertainment. Right. And I feel like that's kind of what's happening with billions because before you just had Paul Giamatti and Bobby Axelrod were like the main two. And you had like a little bit of going on with some side character, a little bit of development here and there, but yeah. But now like Wags has become a prominent character as well as you still have Paul Giamatti and Bobby Axelrod. And then you have, what is her name? Oh, the, uh, the Taylor girl. No, not Taylor. The other one from sons of anarchy. Paul Giamatti's ex. Oh, the one from Mad Men. Well, she, I didn't know she, I'd never watched Mad Men. Oh, Mad Men's great. I love Mad Men. Uh, yeah, yeah whatever, I, whatever I, her I, name is. Yeah. And but so now she's a prominent character, right? So like now you're taking this, this show and you're splitting it. Maggie Siff, that's her name, Wendy Rhodes. Yeah. But now she's like a more prominent character. So you have like storylines that have to evolve around Bobby and another storyline around Chuck and another one around Wendy and another around Wags and then another one around Taylor. So it's like splitting and fracturing the show too much. Yeah. And I think also too what it does is it it takes away from what those characters were and the charm of what those characters were. Like it's it's mm-hmm. the problem of like, uh, when they made that dog shit Han Solo movie, like you end up, ha- you're you end up giving more background and stuff to characters that like don't need it because the charm of like those characters is you don't need to know it. Yeah, you, you know, so it's like it's totally awesome to have like, you know, a few minutes in an episode like developing them a little bit and like giving some more information, but like at the same time. I at least I find like a lot of the charm of like supporting characters like that is that like you don't know all of this back to backstory stuff and you don't need to because like that they're not what the show is but it's like you said like that's kind of like what they're turning it into so yeah so that's that's kind of where I'm sitting with the show and I mean, I, I still enjoy it. Like, yeah. I still really like it. And I still oh, yeah. try to watch the new episodes as soon as I can. But I just, I feel like they're fracturing off too much to the point where there's too much going on. Yeah, there's too many cooks in the kitchen. And yeah, I, I feel like they need to stick to like, like a good example of a good format would be um, like Homeland. See, I dropped off that show. So. Really? Because they just, they just finished like the, did the, se- the last season. Oh, okay. just finished airing so and you... it was amazing but, but what i like about that is like the first couple seasons you have essentially like the three main characters right like saul carrie and yep. brody yep but then as it progresses like brody drops off so then peter quinn becomes a more prominent part yeah yep. and then he, next he season he drops off main, and... yeah yeah but like the, the base of the story up until its final episode was all about carrie and Saul. Yeah. And that way you didn't have way too much going on and you didn't have to like split the show up into all these mini stories. Cause that's, that's where it starts to get sloppy and not very good. Yeah. Cause when it, you have to tell 12 stories in one yeah, episode. Be, yeah. Because it gets so jumbled that like, if you think, if you think of writing as like 
time effort, right? Like as any job, right? Like you can spend all this time writing this awesome one storyline, or you can take your effort and divide it by six and, you know, do like six all right-ish storylines, you know, mm-hmm. unless you're a super amazing writer, you know, that that's got, you know, ideas ahead of time, like on where you want that to go. But, but it doesn't seem like that was the case. It seems like kind of more like what you said, where it's like, Hey, people like this character. Hey, writers write them in more. And they're like, uh, shit. Okay. And then they make up a storyline. Yeah, exactly. Cause I mean, the only other alternative to solve like that kind of problem is if you start doing episodes where it like only focuses on one or two characters, but then you have the people who are like, well, I watch billions because I want to see Bobby Axelrod face off against Chuck Rhodes. I don't want to watch an episode that is all about Wags trying to have another kid. Yeah, exactly. And that like, that's definitely not what I want. You know, like I, I come to billions for the, the acts and the Chuck story and some of the strong stuff around that. Right. Yeah. That's what pulled me in to begin with, because both those actors are rock solid actors that are very good and they've got really good chemistry. Um, so it totally works. Um, and that's what I go there for the wags and the other people. They're great in small doses and they're hilarious in small doses and they're very good in small doses. But I, I don't like where they're going, making them bigger, I guess. Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't I don't find it that good. So, but it's like you said, I still love this show and I still watch it, you know. So, yeah, I'd be curious to know where the season goes. Yeah, I guess only time will tell on that one. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where it goes. So, so what did you want to talk about with the last half of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? <laughs> so, this was mainly just I had a nap and I woke up and I was like halfway through the movie. And I mainly just threw it in just because of how much I love that ending scene um, at the house and how much I love Brad Pitt. I think he's an amazing actor. So that, that was like my mainly thing I touched. And I was just like, oh, I forgot that the end of this movie is really good. And Brad Pitt is amazing in it. And that last house scene is awesome. <laughs> okay, fair enough. That's funny that you that you say that because... Uh... I went to my parents' house yesterday to pick up the dogs because they were dog sitting while we were away. Yeah. And uh, as I walked in, they had just finished watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and my dad was like, "Well, what the fuck? They didn't even kill Sharon Tate." Yeah. <laughs> like that was, and he was mad about that. I was yeah. like, "Well, it's not the Sharon Tate story, so that's not what the movie's about, right?" It's yeah. The, it's the backdrop of the movie. Yeah. But and. He was, he was, still a little chapped about it and i was like yeah. that's that's a ridiculous thing to be chapped about like the whole rest of the movie was like like a masterpiece like tarantino's a genius but you're yeah. gonna focus on the fact that like the movie ended and sharon tate didn't get killed yeah yeah no like i i and i kind of want to go back and watch all of it again just because like i woke up and i was like oh like tarantino's one of my favorite directors and i actually think once upon a time in hollywood is really good i know some people had some issues with it um just that the pay, the big payoff didn't come until the end, um, but I feel like that's that's a Tarantino thing. A bunch of his movies have that. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people are used to like the Tarantino, like the gore and the fighting and the yeah. blood, and yeah. and I think a lot of people were probably disappointed because this was like very story driven. 
yeah very and very character driven too right like yeah. it's very much a, a brad pitt and leo watch these characters develop and go through and and see their chemistry right you know which they casted that great they had great chemistry um but yeah like it's yeah i basically threw it in because it's like yeah this is this is a great movie and the ending scene is great and i think brad pitt is a great actor and i was like that guy never ceases to amaze me so he, he's always been a great actor and he's super selective about his roles yeah. i will say though i watched ad astra and i fucking hated it i have never seen ad astra but i know a lot of people that have watched it and like said the same thing where it's like that's not good no, it, it wasn't. It was like, don't get me wrong. Like the cinematography was beautiful. Like it was, yeah. it was very well shot, but I walked out of that movie and it was one of those, you don't watch big bang theory. So no. have you, there's an episode where he makes Amy watch Indiana Jones. Okay. Yep. And, uh, he makes him, wa- he makes her watch Indiana Jones and he's like, wasn't that amazing? And at the end she, she makes a comment she goes, well, yeah, but I mean, like the whole movie was pointless. And he's like, well, no. And then he like kind of summarizes it, and she's like, no, exactly. But like Indiana Jones played no real role in that story. She's like, like, think about it. Like if in, like if Indiana Jones was not in that story, everything would have played out exactly the same. They still would have got this. They still would have picked up the Ark of the Covenant or whatever. They still would have had their faces melt like Indiana Jones played no role in the story. Everything would have played out exactly the same, whether he was there or not. And yep. that's how I felt about Ad Astra. Like okay. you get to the end and you're like, oh, what was yeah. the point of that? So like I, I sat there and I like, I replayed that movie in my head like a dozen times over. And I just kept coming to the same conclusion. I'm like, well, whether he would have gone or not, like nothing really would have changed. Okay. Yeah. I never watched it. So, and it, like, I've heard enough like close friends of mine that are like pretty, like as big in the movies as me and like, have some of the same like tastes that where they're just like yeah maybe don't watch that that like i probably won't <laughs> yeah like i i i mean i i personally thought it was a waste of time and i like brad pitt and i was really hoping it was going to be something in the same vein as like um interstellar yeah and but it was not it, yeah. it was very slow it was very boring i mean brad pitt did an amazing job acting like i felt for his character but i got to the end and i was just like that was pointless that whole movie was pointless i just wasted two hours of my life and there was no payoff yeah 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 that's a tough one because especially when you see like especially when you look at that and go like the acting wasn't the problem you know like because someone like a brad pitt like a brad one of the things that makes brad pitt an amazing actor is he's got incredible range like you can look at him in multiple movies and not see Brad Pitt, you know, mm-hmm. you see the character he's playing and he's, he's got so much good range that he can play so many different characters that like you wouldn't normally think of, which is, I think why he's a very strong actor. And it's actually my problem with Leo is I don't think he has any range. Um, but I think he's very good at the very specific thing he does, but, but it's always a shame. That's fair. You, yeah. It's yeah, that's my only gripe with Leo is like he's very good at the same character. So as long as he's playing that character, he's great. But I think when he tries to not play that character, I don't think it works good. But it's also a shame, like when you see someone like a Brad Pitt and you look at that and you go like, yeah, it, like the acting wasn't the problem. And like, that's always a shame to see because you're just like, oh, it did. 
if that's not the problem, then what is right? Yeah. Which kind of reminds me my biggest gripe with the Han Solo movie. So if you think of what the biggest problem in making a Han Solo movie is, what do you think it is? I honestly have no idea. It's probably casting Han Solo and getting Han Solo right. Well, like yeah, it, I suppose so. Right? You I have so- like full disclosure, I haven't watched it yet. Like I've I watched the Rogue One is the okay. only like new star. And I think I watched the ep- the episode, I guess it would be episode 7. Okay, yeah. So I watched episode 7 and Rogue One, but I haven't seen episode 8, 9 or the Solo one. Honestly, you probably don't need to see any of those because like seven, I thought was a really great Star Wars movie and a return to Star Wars. I thought Rogue One was an awesome Star Wars story and everything they made after I thought is absolute dog shit. (laughs) And this is coming from a giant Star Wars fan. Well, maybe you'll just be super hyped and super satisfied when the frickin Game of Thrones douchebags do the next three. Maybe. But the Mandalorian was good. I'll say that. I liked that show. And see, my my game plan has been to sit down and go through all of them in chronological order. Oh yeah, it's probably not way bad way doing it. I mean, there's some good stuff in some of them, but but yeah, like that's like to me, like coming back to the Han Solo thing, like to me, like the biggest issue people are gonna have with a Han Solo prequel is who you get to play Han Solo because you gotta have that Harrison Ford charm, you know, from when he was younger. Yeah. And you got to have a good enough actor to like carry on it and like have its own mannerisms and, and stuff like that. And then like you watch the Han Solo movie and you go, actually, the guy that played Han Solo and like the way he played Han Solo isn't the problem. So like they didn't fuck up the Han Solo part. They just fucked everything else up, like which is kind of spectacular that they did it like because it seems like as long as you get the Han Solo part right, you're good. Then, yeah, then you'd be you'd be set. But That's like they, they actually got like they actually got that part right. Like I actually think they dude that they cast like did a totally serviceable job and was like a decent enough actor and like captured enough of the Han Solo spirit that I was like, okay, like you're not the problem with that movie, which is like kind of why I mean like it's that it's it's kind of that's how why it's so spectacular that it is it, as bad as it is because they got the thing right that they needed to get right, but they got everything else wrong. <laughs> Fair enough. So, well, now I'm going to go into watching that movie with a completely different perspective. Yeah. And, and like, you might have a different perspective when you watch him, but like, at least me, like, like I look at it and go like, yeah, like you got the Han Solo part, right? Like you, you you're not going to get Harrison Ford and you're not going to replace Harrison Ford. That's never going to happen. But you, you did a good enough job that that wasn't the problem. It's everything around it. That was the problem. Well, and I'm honestly like, I mean, you say that he did a good job. So, I mean, good on him there. But I'm honestly kind of surprised that they didn't with the technology that they have and with the amount of de-aged. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. But then again, like the de-aging is like it wasn't that good then. Like it's come a long way in a very short time. Like if you look at the de-aging, if you watched Rogue One, so the de-aging of the... I don't know if you would have noticed it like the general. Yeah. So like it was pretty good there, but like you could still like, it still kind of looked a little off. See, and I didn't get that vibe. And when they de-aged RDJ in the one Avengers movie, right? I thought that was really good. And when they de-aged, um, 
Star Lord's dad in Volume Two of Guardians of the Galaxy. That yeah. was really well done. So I think the RDJ one, I I thought that one looked a little weird too. Um, where I saw it like super well used was uh, the Irishman with De Niro and uh... oh shit, what can I think of his name? Um. But in that movie, like, because they yeah. de-aged both of them, and I thought it actually, like, looked really good. Um, but I think they didn't de-age. Yeah, actually, I don't know why they wouldn't have de-aged him. Maybe that's an issue of because they couldn't get Harrison on board because he did not want to play Han Solo anymore. Yeah, that's true. Well, I even read that when he was making the first three, he didn't want to do it after the first one. No, and, like, when he came back... Um, there was reports like when he came back for episode seven that he said, like, I'll come back for this one. But that like, that's it. And you've got to, like, give me my Indiana Jones movie. Like, that was the deal is like he was like, I'll do one and then you can kill me off. And I want my Indiana Jones movie. And they were like, OK, but he like does not really care for that character anymore. So, oh, I mean, fair to him. Yeah. What are they I mean, actually he... doing another Indiana Jones, though? I mean, like, how do you replace Shia? He was supposed to take the helm. That would have, I would have been very curious if that. I, I'd like Shy, and I think if they would have had a legit script and not that like, then not the pokey alien that they had, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they would have done a good job. Like, I, I think Shy is a, a very underrated actor. Like, I don't yeah. know if you ever watched um, Peanut Butter Falcon. Uh no, but I want to. He that that was a, it was a phenomenal movie, and he was amazing in it yeah he's actually I, I agree that he's actually like a very underrated actor and i actually think um so i don't know if you ever watched them but like variety will have this thing and it's usually around like oscar time where it's like actors on actors and it, they'll yeah kind of, they'll just place like two actors in a room and they'll just kind of let them talk about shit and shia labeouf did one with Kristen stewart um and you could tell that like Kristen Stewart like wasn't the most comfortable in it, but like the way he was like he was able to like open her up and like engage in like some very like real awesome conversations, like shows just how like good he is at that stuff. Like he was able to like comfortably like talk to someone and get them to like open up and like share these things and like craft this awesome interview around hmm. it. Um and like I'd never seen that side of him before, and I was like, man, like he is really good at that. And he's also a really good actor. I, I've seen a bunch of the like actors on actors on YouTube, but I've never actually sat down and watched any of them. They're really good. Um, obviously very dependent on who's, uh, who's in them, but yeah. they're, you, if you get the right people in it, they're honestly like 45 minutes and I'm just like eating a bowl of popcorn. And it's like the most interesting thing I'm watching. Like if you get two good people in there, the discussions they actually have about like the films and their experiences and stuff like that is like it's super interesting and I, I can't recommend them enough. Like definitely watch the Shia LaBeouf one and there's one with Brad Pitt and Adam Sandler. That was I, I started watching one and it was Ryan Reynolds and it just wasn't I think I think I lasted a few minutes and I was like, this isn't very exciting and, and maybe it's dependent on like and, and maybe like we to, might totally have different interests for that stuff and maybe that's just a weird thing that i really get into but i also find it's like very dependent on the actors too yeah i would for sure 
I think if you have a good a good match. Yeah, and that's I would I would have liked to have seen Ryan Reynolds do it with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal because I love when those two are together. Well, yeah, because they they fuck they (laughs) made so many like uh, all those all those press junkets they did for yeah it was was basically a write off yeah oh man it was so good I could sit down and watch those interviews for hours oh yeah like they just ended up developing this relationship on set where like they get in a room together and they just like can't concentrate on anything else because they're just fucking around having a great time <laughs> yeah and it's i love watching that yeah it's hilarious because like you watch it and then especially like when they talk about like how they would do that on set and people will get like pissed at them because it's like okay like come on guys we really got to get this take done <laughs> and they're yeah. just like yeah hold on <laughs> and it's like no like really you're here to do a job <laughs> did you watch that movie me and you watched it did- i remember that was it you and I who watched it? I'm pretty sure it was you I watched it with. Oh, I don't know. I, I see a lot of movies, so it's hard to tell who I see who what with who. But I'm the same way. I, I was pretty devastated, like not devastated, but that Reynolds little, was killed little, off in the first like ten minutes. Yeah, I was a little miffed about that. I'm not gonna lie. I was like, because especially like when they were doing like their their like ad campaign for it and stuff like that. Like it made it seem like he was a main. Was all yeah, like he was a main character. He's just gone. It's like. Yeah, what was that one day of shooting and then you two yeah. done? Like, yeah, and like they totally marketed as in almost like he was the lead of the movie and Jake Gyllenhaal yeah. was, uh, and the other people were kind of like his crew. And it turned out that no, Jake Gyllenhaal ended up being the lead, and Reynolds just get killed killed off in the first ten minutes. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, very misleading. Yeah, I remember that too. Going like, what the fuck? Like, really? Okay. All right, we're gonna go down this roll. Yeah, but well, the la- the last thing that I wanted to talk about was the devastating news that there is no more Keanu Reeves Day. What? Yeah, like uh, they were gonna do not like the Keanu Reeves like holiday, but they were gonna do. Um, they were calling it Keanu Reeves Day because the Matrix Four and John Wick Four were supposed to be released on the exact oh, same day. Right but they pushed the matrix Four release date back a full year. Oh yeah, that's right. I remember reading that. Yep. I'm not going to lie. That bummed me out. Cause I was totally prepped and ready to do a double feature, like go see oh, yeah. the matrix four, then go see John wick four right after. Oh yeah. Like, and I, I fucking love those John wick movies. I really don't know how I feel about a fourth matrix movie, um, but I'll definitely watch it. Um, I, I have to go back and refresh myself on the, uh, the original trilogy. I remember the first one being like pretty good. And then I remember two and three being like not that good, except for like a couple cool action scenes. Mm-hmm. So like, like I remember watching one being like, Oh, this is like a totally cool story. Right. Like, and the matrix was huge. Right. Like ever, most people liked it. Yeah. And then I remember watching like two going like, eh, okay, I'm not really, parts of that were cool and then i remember like watching three like and then coming out being like what the fuck so yeah one of those movies that with each sequel kind of declined yeah i'm I'm curious to see how the fourth one goes uh, yeah and i don't i don't really remember how the matrix ends like what they i was was trying to think about that the other day and i was like what what fucking happened again so i don't know uh, like how big of a road it is to bring him back as a character 
like I like I'm not a big enough fan and it's been so long since I've watched it that I don't know if it's like one of those things where like a diehards fan fan is going to be like, oh, you got some work to do to write this guy back in because they never thought they were going to do a fourth Matrix. <laughs> yeah. Right? I'm curious as to why they decided they were going to. I mean, I, I assumed there was going to be another John Wick, especially after how three ended. See, uh, see, I thought three was going to be the end of John Wick, and I was totally all right with that. I didn't think they were going to end it and lead it up to a sequel. I thought it was going to be three and done. I thought that, too. But I mean, when when I got to the end of the third movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, OK, I need to see another one now. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah, because they clearly set it up. Um and like I, I love the John Wick movies. Like I think the action done in them is some of the best action fight choreography in like the last decade. Yeah, it's really well done. Um, and I, I love who doesn't love Keanu Reeves. He's like the most wholesome human being ever. Um, yeah, he's just an amazing person. And he just makes he makes good movies, and he's like such this wholesome guy that at the same time when you read up on his past, you're like, man, you've had a really hard life and you're still this nice and wholesome. Like you're a great human. <laughs> yeah. A shining example for the world. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, cause yeah, at the same time I was like, totally like, okay, I got my three John Wick movies. That's totally fine. I am a person that always errs on the side of like, kill it while it's good and while it's done and don't stretch it out just to stretch it out. Um, like, give me, give me some good stuff. And then don't like waste my time stretching it out in all right stuff. And I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, give me like a John Wick trilogy. And I'm like, totally awesome with this. But at the same time, like I'm, I'll totally watch every John Wick movie they, they pump out. Cause I think they've all been great. I mean, yeah, no, I'm, I'm the same way. If you put them out, I'll go yeah. same with like entourage. They could pump out an entourage movie every year. Happily yeah. hand over my money. Yeah, that is true. I mean, we might be in the minority with that because of how much we love entourage, but the same time entourage is great and i go through that series probably once a year i'll get the urge and just i'll just binge it so yeah no well, at least we finally got a trailer for the new bill and ted though i have never seen the original bill and ted you should you should go back and watch them it might be difficult because like they're, they're fairly the old, like the 80s i think the, the humor is, is still pretty on point, but I mean, like nowadays you're used to such like the all the advancements in CGI and everything. Right. So like that's where I kind of struggle to go back and watch. Yeah. Older movies, because like when you go back and watch them like teleport in that phone booth, you're kind of like, what? Yeah. Like I feel the movies that I have no problem going back to is like the uh, the, the like 90s Michael Bay movies where it's all practical effects and action like a con air mm -hmm. or the isle the island or whatever it is or the rock you know shit like that like yeah. these like classics that never age because it's practical effects and it still looks awesome today um but yeah i've never seen bill and ted so i might have to check that out well i mean you've got some time before the new one comes out there's two by the way there's two you're gonna have to go watch oh i thought there was just one no there's bill and ted's excellent adventure and bill and ted's bogus adventure Hmm. Interesting. Definitely two. Hmm. I was gonna mention something because I thought about when you're talking about it, but I have never gotten it. <laughs> I thought it was like That'll a great lead to a little conversation, but now I'm totally blanking on what it was. Yeah, unfortunately I can't help you with that. Yeah, I don't remember. 
no well. But I've got nothing else to to bring up. How about you? No, I feel like we've uh, we've covered everything in the entertainment I've wanted to talk about for this week. I feel that as well. So then maybe this is where we should bid adieu. All right. Well, that has been our first episode of Tuning Through the Static. And that is it for this week. And we'll catch you next time. <laughs>